Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. Liquor Barn Studios, it's time for The V Show, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Bobby V. Coming to you live from just outside the airport in Raleigh, North Carolina, where all of us are still here, although the men's team for the University of Louisville will be making its way up, down, across, whatever direction that is, the highway, to Wake Forest to get ready for their matchup with Wake Forest on uh, Saturday. I will be here another night, and then tomorrow be headed to Austin, Texas, where I hope it's appreciably warmer. could use to thaw out a little bit. Uh, not nearly as cold here as it was back in the Ville when we left. It was, uh, I guess, uh, high 30s today, low 40s, but still uh, not where we'd like it to be. So anyway, that's where what we're doing, and that's why we're still here. And so, as always, we anticipate technical problems at the start, because no matter how I try and prepare, pretty soon Nick should be yelling at me for something. Which which do we have today? You're hearing the programming. My mic's too low. My mic's too hot. Which would you like to complain about? What do we have? Everything sounds good. What? Any more awards of Leonard Hamilton? What? How about that? How about that, Mikey? So we're off to a, we're off to a good start. A little better start than the cards have gotten off to. I don't know that I've ever seen a team that just can't play in the middle like this team. They either are – what was that old there's – an, there's an old nursery rhyme about the girl with a curl in her forehead. She was – when she was good, she was very good. And when she was bad, she was horrid. Let me see if I could find that, that poem. Here we go. It goes – I'm sorry uh, to say I have no idea what that is. What, that poem? No. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, you've heard of him. Oh, yeah, sure. There was a little girl who had a little curl right in the middle of her forehead. When she was good, she was very good indeed, but when she was bad, she was horrid. That's uh, kind of this team. Uh, it's unbelievable. They they just they had one assist in the entire first half, one. I mean, that that's hard to do. You almost get it just by accident. They had one assist. Um, they they were just completely unable to 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 stop the, the Carolina. Carolina had nine fast break points, uh, and then in the second half they completely turned around. Carolina didn't score any fast break points in the second half at all, zero. And uh, Louisville uh, started having all sorts of uh, assists. I think they had nine in the second half. I'm trying to punch up the. The, the box square, I'll find it in a second. But I know they had at least eight, might have had nine, and I believe they had three in the first two minutes and 40 seconds of the second half. So after they had won the whole first half, all of a sudden they had three, and what happens is, you know, they guess what? When you pass the ball, what do you do? 
you get better shots, and when you get better shots, what do you do? Shoot a better percentage, and that's what they did in the second half. They shot a much better percentage in the second half. They cut the game down to five, and and they were rolling. I mean, it, it's just there's no in-between. They just don't have any stretches where they can trade punches. They just either are just falling on their face or they're, they're – uh, they're they're rolling and they were rolling. Now again, I don't want to get too caught up in that because that's the nature of the game. I mean, and that is, you know, teams don't come out and outscore you by ten, then by twenty, then by thirty, then by forty. I mean, it doesn't work that way. They, you know, they they the human nature. Once they put a little separation, they it's it's only you know fans always get mad. Why do they take their foot off the gas? Well, they don't know they're doing it, but it is just kind of human nature a bit. Um, yeah, Louisville had nine assists in the second half. One at halftime, finished with ten. And North Carolina had nine fast break points in the first half and finished with nine. Louisville shot 49% for the game, 44% from the field. They actually outshot Carolina, who shot only 48%. They were about even in rebounds for much of the game, and then down the stretch they couldn't get a rebound. And Carolina wound up out-rebounding them 40-28. to 28. I, I, It's just it's really bizarro. How they go from it's it's like the John Panette bit about Chinese food, you know you go from you go from full to starving in a minute. There's no in between, and that's uh, that's kind of how they play. Now I've heard other people, other hosts say, well maybe they're getting off to a bad start because they're playing two guys that arguably shouldn't be starting, Ivanovic and Miller. Okay, that may be. I don't know. I mean, but Ivanovic, he came out and he made a shot. He was, and I watched him. He tries defensively. He and Miller are among the most ardent defenders that they have. At least, you know, at the start of the game, if you want to set the tone defensively, they at least try defensively. But they just, um, they come out and they get steamrolled at the start of this game. Maybe that is the answer. I don't know. Although, you know, I just, Trey came in and had 12 points and had a rebound, no assists. Uh, but he shot five of eight, which is good. But he just, he gets beat defensively again. They play in the zone. He's on the baseline. I, I you got to watch that possession. That's I don't know what is going through his mind. I really don't. Um, you know, and and uh, it's they're they're just they're thin. They're just they're thin at positions. Huntley Hatfield got in foul trouble. Glenn fouled out, and then I mean, like who are they playing at five? Like uh, Mike. I mean, it was just a, it's a very thin roster, very small margin for error, and they just can't. One of the problems is that Bill Russell used to say all the time, and I never thought of it, but it's true, that one of the problems when you fall that far behind, even if you're capable of mounting a comeback, and Louisville did, I mean, cut it to five, is it takes so much out of you that by the time you get to the point where, okay, now you can say, all right, we got a game, you're exhausted. And, and I know you don't want to ever use that as an excuse. Fans don't ever want to, and Kenny never does, but it's a reality. I mean, they're not little machines, and so they get tired. And then where do you turn to on the bench? Well, you know, where they turned on the bench didn't get it done. I don't know what in the world was going through Ty Law's mind last night. He, th- he thought he was Steph Curry all of a sudden, evidently. He was just firing him up from everywhere, and he shot one for seven, and that certainly was, was uh, you know, not the answer. Uh, he did have four assists, but... Um, he uh, uh, had a couple of turnovers and arguably could have had more, to be honest with you. He made a couple of really ill-advised passes. But they, they gave up too many points off turnovers. They um, 
the the big thing is just that they, they that start they could never dig themselves out of that hole, and that's the first half one assist they shot under well under forty percent I think for part of it they were under thirty percent, they weren't passing the ball there was no ball movement and they gave up fast break points that's right in Carolina's wheelhouse the only thing they didn't do is get out rebounded in the first half but then ultimately during the game they wound up getting out rebounded by twelve and that's their whole game Carolina's whole game is to play up tempo. They, they do a great job of that. They crash the boards, uh, and they don't turn the ball over, even though they're playing at that great speed. They, they average less than 10 turnovers a game. And uh, um, last night, what they have in turnovers? I can't remember. I have to go try and find it here. They had, uh, let's see, they had 10 turnovers, 10 at the speed they play. What's made them so good lately, and I talked about it on yesterday's show, and you saw it last night, is defensively they just recommitted to playing defense and changed their philosophy a bit as well after the North Carolina game. And it showed. Um, I mean, Louisville had 70 points, and they averaged in the mid-70s, so they were slightly under their average, but a lot of those came late. I mean, Sky made some late that the game was, was well in hand. They'd, they'd held... Louisville pretty far down under their average for most of the meaningful part of the game. Um, they they had with uh, eight minutes to go, they'd still been in the they were in the low fifties. They had fifty five points, you know. So I mean, they were not getting their seventy five, seventy six points. They and their shooting percentage was down again in the first half very low and that's a credit to what they've done defensively they're good carolina is really good and if uh, if uh, uh, uh cormac ryan shoots it like he did last night it w- we just have an incredible ability to bring guys out of shooting slumps if they're shooting awfully all of a sudden they see louisville and they turn into you know uh, jerry west again so um that's what it was last night and if he shoots it they become really dangerous because I think they are committed to play defense. They've got Baycott, who gives them an inside presence. Um, they've got Ingram. They they definitely have the capability of playing at tempo, which is what they want to do. They're a good rebounding team. They if Matt Ryan gives them another shooter so that they're not so reliant uh, just on R.J. Davis. They, you know, if he's missing shots, that somebody else can step up. That's very important in the postseason because not everybody's going to play lights out every night. Um, and then if they stay committed to the defense, they're they're the best team in the league. I mean, there's there's no getting around that. They are the best team in the league. Duke might catch them because they're developing, but right now Carolina is the best. That's not close. So having said that, you know they're still in the league though, and you still got to play against them. And and Louisville was not the early part of the game. They got steamrolled again, and it's it's just it's. And again, is that Percy Miller and Yovanovitch's fault? I don't know. That seems oversimplified to me. But uh, they just they're off the, these awful starts and. Um, they're not getting help they need off the off the bench. The guys are coming in, and uh, like I said, they're just you know Trey still struggles defensively. He knows it. I can see it in his first look on his face. He's aware of it. And then Tyler uh, was just firing him up from everywhere for a while. I'm not sure what that was all about. And uh, they just they didn't get they they were really concerned. Carolina was, which I get with Mike James. They were more concerned with Mike than they were with Huntley Hatfield because Mike is basically the guy who shot them to the front against Miami, and they were not going to let that happen. That was their, their – you could see that. So when it went into Huntley-Atfield, who's turned into an, a willing and capable passer out of there, they were staying home on Mike, and they held him to 30% shooting, 3 of 10. He only got one three-point shot off and made it. 
So they did a good job. Huntley Hatfield was impressive when he took on a bay cut by himself, you know, because they weren't doubling him because they didn't want him to kick it out. So he shot seven for 10, 15 points, seven, uh, six rebounds. He, he did okay there. But uh, they were determined not to let Mike get going, and that's pretty good strategy because if he doesn't get it going, you know, the game has still become a three-point shooter's game, and they don't shoot it. They made eight threes. Carolina made 10, and I think they felt, well, we can't let them come in here and, and win that battle, and they didn't. They only won it by two, Carolina did, but they did win it, and they got to the free throw line, which has been something that, you know, Louisville had, had an advantage early in the year. Uh, Carolina shot at 20 and made, shot 18 for 24 from the free throw line. Louisville was only 6 for 13. They shot under 50% from the line, and they got outscored by 12 at the free throw line, which has been... This is this is one of the reasons they just can't seem to build, because when they solve one problem, then they seemingly have to address another one, which is what teams do. And then they start giving their attention to that new problem. And then the thing that you, quote unquote, think they had solved, they backslide. The one thing they hung their hat on was, hey, they were getting to the free throw line against everybody. And they were they were getting there and they were shooting a good percentage. And last night they didn't neither. They didn't get there and they shot a poor percentage. So now there's that problem has reared its head again. So um, it's just but again, you, you, you do have to keep in mind that is the best team in the league playing at home. And they have a great crowd. The place is mobbed they I mean, it, everybody's excited. Obviously, they're one of the they are truly one of the elite teams right now in the country. The elite teams. Are, are definitely, you have to include um, um, North Carolina right now. I mean, it's probably Connecticut and North Carolina, arguably Kentucky, um, even though they've lost a couple of late. They got a good win last night. Cal gets his 400th win there. Congratulations to him for that. Um, uh, Kansas is in that group. Uh, Houston, I don't know what to make of them. I don't know if they're good enough offensively. They certainly guard the daylights out of you. Um, but they're, you know, Carolina's in that group. We'll see if Duke can play their way there into that. I don't know. They may still, but, uh, they're great. They're, 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 they're a very, very good team right now. And so, you you know, you take that with a grain of salt in the sense that Kenny's trying to look half full kind of guy said, Hey, for, I don't know how long a stretch that was. I have to go through the play by play, but I mean, they cut a 20 point lead to five. They outscored him by 15. In, in how many minutes was that? Let me see if I can find the, the, the running play-by-play here. They were down, they were down at 17, 17, uh, there's 20. They were down with a minute four left in the first half. They were down 46-26. So that's a minute to go in the first half. So with a minute to go in the first half, they were down 20. And then they got it to five with... 12:39 to go in the game. That was the one three-pointer that Mike made. So basically, in in the one minute, I mean, think about that. In the one minute of the first half, and then the first eight and a half minutes of the second half. So that's nine and a half minutes. They outscored them by 15 points, and it wasn't like they were playing their scrubs. I mean, you look at the roster they had on the floor. They had all their guys. They had all their guys. They had Ryan, and they had Davis, and they had Baycott, and and then they had Jalen, who you think he was excited about playing his ex team? He played like a star last night. Fifteen and ten, not bad. He was he was unbelievable. Five of six. He he only missed one shot. A, a do, an impressive double double. He was um, 
Yeah, he I was said very, this very to good. Steve. Um, there was a play where he and I'm hearing myself a little bit, but early in the game, he went up for a rebound, and the like the uh, microphone picked up him going. Argh! And at that moment, I heard, when I heard him do that, I was like, "Oh, he's gonna go off." <laughs> that that's the sound of a man <laughs> who's about to pull a double double out of out of himself. Well, I, I you know I'm, I'm sure Hubert was aware of that because he's and this is a guy he's averaging like four points a game for them. I'm not knocking it. He's made some contributions, but he hasn't played anywhere near the minutes he played last night. He played 24 minutes and had a double double. I'm sure Hubert was like, "Oh, this guy's pretty excited. Let's ride this horse." So that's what they they did, and they got uh, they got good minutes out of him. I mean, that's a good team. I mean, even with that, Ingram still wound up with a double double. He wound up with not a double double, but ten points, five assists, four rebounds. They can pass the ball. They really are, and they get down the floor. I mean, Ingram made that. I think it was to Withers, wasn't it? It was either him or to uh, might have been to Baycott, where Ingram came down the right down the center of the floor, and then just made a flick pass to. The trailer, I don't know if it was Withers or, or Baycott, I can't remember, but uh, uh, they finished it, and I was like, I mean, that's that's front court guys. I mean, that, the whole thing was forwards. There was their quote-unquote bigs, and they're running the break, and they're filling the lane, and eh, it's tough to defend when they do that. So they were uh, – they're good. They're very, very good. There's no question about that. But it's just amazingly frustrating to watch them play at a very, very high level and then play, or whatever one you look at it, very uh, embarrassingly bad level to start again. It was terrible. And then they come out, and they, and for, for not what I say it was, a minute plus eight, nine and a half minutes, they kicked their ass. I mean, it wasn't like they just, oh, they hung in there. They just steamrolled them. It, it, it's just, it's unbelievable how they cannot play in the middle. They don't play in the middle. And and it's, and it's they're the little girl in the, in the um, Longfellow poem. And they're good, they're very good, and when they're bad, they're hard. And it's just, it's very hard to build anything on that because nobody, not even great teams, play great all the time. I mean, so the key is, you know, to to trade punches for a little bit. Get in there and trade punches a little bit and then look for your openings, like a boxing match, and see when you can land that right cross or that big hook or something. They don't ever do that. They just they they're they're getting steamrolled, steamrolled, steamrolled. And all of a sudden, I don't know, a light switch goes on, and they play. They look great, and then you know they're back in the game. But meanwhile, it's kind of exhausted them, and they they get it to within five, and then uh, when they got it to five, and the other guys go back on a run again, which is what happened last night, if I'm not mistaken. Again, let me go punch that up rather than do it by memory. It was 55-50. Mike made the three, and I was like, I don't know. Maybe they're going to do this. And then, stupidly, they fouled the three-point shooter. I think it was Tyler, wasn't it? Tyler fouled R.J. Davis, who misses a free throw like once every lunar eclipse. So he goes he goes to the line, makes three. And then uh, Tyler comes back, and I was like, all right, well, he might make up for it. He made his only basket, and he got fouled. And uh, then he missed the free throw. And then they came down, and Withers made a free throw. Um they, the Carolina missed twice and got two offensive rebounds. And uh, then they made a three-pointer by R.J. Davis. And all of a sudden, Louisville's down 10 again. They went in the space of uh, one minute. And uh, let's see how long that is. One minute and just under two minutes. They went from a five-point game to back down 10. And then it only uh, got a little bit worse from there. They missed a layup. Uh, Mike James missed a shot. Tyler missed a shot. 
Uh, Armando, Armando Baycott got a big block, which got some momentum. Huntley Hatfield fouled Baycott. And uh, the next thing you know, they were uh, really on the short end again and running out of time. It was double digits for most of the rest of the way. So they just they just don't trade punches. It just kills them. It absolutely kills them. So uh, 2679680, I won't be able to read the text, but Nick will uh, in studio. So he'll share with some some of those with with us and with me, and we'll talk about that. Um, amazing. We're 29 minutes in the show and no mechanical malfunctions, right? Pretty exciting. Yeah, is, that is rather nice. Nice little refreshing thing there. Yeah. Had breakfast with my brother, your your uncle, Nick, today. Uncle Nick! How's Uncle Nick? Damn entertaining. He's been through a lot, that poor man. He has had, he had terrible surgery. He had to have his gallbladder removed. He had... Uh, a uh, an aneurysm he's got he's always playing can you top this you know my chest looks like a road map from the the uh, um, bypass and the everything else and his you know, i've got i don't know six inch scar he's got 13 inch scar 13 inches wow yeah he was sicker than i was and now your sister-in-law just had knee replacement so she's hobbled with that so that's not a lot of fun so it's uh, it's but he's doing well. God bless him. We expect when the spring comes, we're going to come down here and we're going to, you know, they have a nighttime golf course here. How cool is that? That we're going to play golf at night. Oh, that'd be awesome. I want to play. And, yeah, yeah. And you guys will come down, you and your brother, and they're going to teach you how to make risotto. You want to make risotto? I'd love to make risotto. Yeah. So that they're they're very good cooks, and they their kitchen looks like it's a a a, a, a kitchen for a TV show. With the long counter, and uh, so they'll they're going to do that. We're going to teach you a little risotto cooking because I know you guys like to cook, and they'll be happy to show you. And then we'll go play some night golf. That sounds like that a sounds like a lovely day. Fantastic trip, if you ask me. So, I haven't seen this may be the longest I've ever gone in my life without seeing my brother, because he had medical issues, I had medical issues. It was just uh, crazy, but all good, all good, and he's doing fine. So um, we'll uh, see. And he's got an elevator in his house. Okay, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so I, I took elevator rides when I got there. So I went uh, th- three floors. I got off. I was looking for uh, housewares. I wound up in children's ready-to-wear. So that was I had to move and go get back in. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very good. All right, we're at the bottom of the hour. We'll take a short break. We'll come back. We're in Raleigh. You're where you are. And uh, we thank you for uh, for being with us here on this Thursday edition of the V Show on ESPN 680 105.7. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Show. Text Bobby V on the UPS Jobs text line at 437 9680. And not having previous head coaching experience. 
I'm not asking this as in campaign for your job, but how how long is enough time for a coach to kind of establish what you want to establish? Well, I didn't inherit the same thing he inherited. Um, that's first, CL. Uh, you know, what I inherited was a broken something. And my job is to clean it up. And to answer your question, I don't really know exactly, but to me, this is, to me, in my, in my world, inheriting what I inherited, this is really year one for me. Because this is the first time I get to bring my players in and, and start the process of rebuilding a program. Um, but that's just to me. Other people may see that differently. I don't know. But that's how I feel about it. I wish I inherited something similar to what Hubert inherited because I think he started out slow, but as the year went on, had a great year. So Again, he just he, – he, um, he doesn't – kind of read the room that's that's not what the fans want to hear and um nick and i were talking about it during the break so i'll try and recreate what i said to him because he said that's exactly what i think the people would want to hear your thoughts on so um i will try and tell you what i think i think that no you, you first of all you can't say that you can't just write off a year now people love to quote me back to myself on this show, which I appreciate. It means they listen. They say, hey, wait, wait a second. You said this, and now you're saying this. I said, and I'll clarify it, that when a guy gets a job anywhere, to some degree, to some degree, that first year is the free space on the bingo board, meaning there's a lot of moving parts that you just can't evaluate properly because of various circumstances, you haven't had a whole recruiting cycle. You there's, you know, you've you've you got personnel staffing things to address. You've got all these things that that take a while. Um, it, it would be like putting sod down, you know. In a, in a, they tell you, listen, you can't run on the sod for a little while. You got to give it a chance to take hold. That's what that first year is. So I understand that he's talking about. The evaluation for that year is different from this year. But, fan, but fans don't want to hear that for starters. And secondly, there are some things that you can evaluate that, quite honestly, they fell short of in year one. Meaning, I've also said, if you listen to the program, whenever you build a rebuild, a program that's been down, it's a four-phase job. You have to be competitive. You have to improve. You have to win. Then you got to maintain the winning. They weren't competitive last year. That's a disappointment because you can always be competitive, really. I mean, for the most part, you may win only eight or nine or be lucky to win 10 games, but you can be in there be competitive. And they got they got steamrolled a lot last year. They weren't competitive for long stretches of the season. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. And when you look at that first year, to some degree it looked like, and that's why there was so much optimism about this year, because – Again, the difference between year two and year one is, as he says correctly, you have much more input into your personnel. And so you have one of two things that happens. You come in and you inherit what you inherit and you make them overachieve and people go, man, oh, man, look at that guy. He's just got them playing hard and playing together. And No disrespect, but certainly that you can't make a case for that last year when they win four games. So then you say, all right, well, then he must have a definite idea of, 
who he wants to play for him. And then you look at and right and they're playing with seven scholarship players. And, you know, when they had Trenton Flowers, everybody was all excited and they thought they were going to get Wagner and they they all these things they thought were going to happen and didn't happen. And so now you say, wait a second, you know, and make it worse. They had a guy like Jalen Withers. I mean, we just watched Jalen Withers last night in the same league. I mean, and he played, he had a double-double, and he was here. So you didn't want that? You didn't want that guy? I mean, why not? And if you did, why weren't you able to keep him? So, I mean, those are things that are legitimate questions. But by the same token, before you just discount it, I understand. Kenny said it's in my mind. He discounted it. He said, look, and other people, they may not see it the same way, and and many of them don't. Uh, and and I people throw the portal at me, you know, and say, well, with the portal, you can't view it that way. There's some merit to that. But again, if you felt if I'm, I'm saying a generic you, not Kenny or not you, the listener, just a generically, if a guy was in a position and he said, well, I'm not building this program through the portal, I'm building it another way. Well, that's part of your philosophy. Then you're going to go and and you're going to try and build it through recruiting or, you know, something other than through through the portal. Um, but. It, that that hasn't really happened either. Um, so, uh, but at the same token, you hear a guy like Dan Bonner who says he watches film. He thinks they're much better than they were last year. And you see stretches where you know they outscore Carolina in their building, top five team in the country by 15. They beat Miami at Miami. I mean, could last year's team even have done that? I don't think so. So they are better, but are they as much better as they should be, for lack of a better word? because it is still year two. The reality is it's year two. He may, in his mind, view it as year one, and when he explains why, you, it's it's not completely irrational. I mean, he's he had to get his own players, but you also have to ask about that. If that's the case, you know, like, I mean, Jalen didn't help anything last night by watching that. I mean, because coaching, maturity, the fact he's closer to home, I don't know what the reason is, but... Jalen understood last night the way he's supposed to play. I mean, if he lost his infatuation with going out there and launching threes, which they let him do last year. I'm not sure why. Um, but, you know, you make him play. You get him to play. You encourage him to play. You teach him to play. You demand him to play the way that suits his skill set. He's a pretty damn good player. You know, so um, there's a lot of things that are difficult for fans to, to swallow there. But, there's, uh, but again – not trying to to not to tap dancing or trying to defend or or, in, or incite a fight. I can understand what he said. I'm not saying I, you, you, I'm telling you should agree with, it, but I can understand it. He is saying that he took over a team that to him didn't make sense, and now it's the first time he's got these players here, and he thinks that he needs some time to develop them. That's what he's looking at, and and uh, and so to him this is year one. But as I said, there's a lot of those things that that. Um, if you want to um, kind of parse the whole situation, you, you can't just write off. Like, you can show, uh, were they competitive last year? They were not really competitive. Did you see a real defining style of play? Could you look, could you look at them and say, all right, well, listen, they didn't win a lot of games last year. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example that I think is, is going to sound self-serving, but I, I'm going to stand by it. So if you want to rip at me, I, there are people who are going to do that anyway. There was there was a, a a guy who worked as our color commentator my first year at Bellarmine, um, very nice and knowledgeable basketball guy, but we were going to play ultimately the way we played, which is 
and now everybody does it. But back then, you got to remember, this is 20-some-odd years ago. We were kind of ahead of the curve in just trying to have everybody be a threat to shoot perimeter shots, to shoot three-point shots. We wanted a whole floor full of guys that could shoot the three. Well, I wasn't going to teach a whole system then then the next year scrap it because now – to use Kenny's point, now I had the players I recruited, and I was—I mean, we were only going to recruit guys that could shoot the ball. We didn't recruit a guy my whole time there. there maybe one guy, and he wound up—he was such a unique talent. We took him, and I'm glad we did. He was a terrific player for us. If you're listening, Eric Wall, I'm alluding to you. And even he shot some threes as time progressed, but he was not a shooter. But that's okay because he was damn near everything else. But we—we, you know, that's what we did. But the first year, we put the, the most of the system, and we made some concessions to the fact that. We didn't have a lot of shooters, but they still kind of played the way we were going to play. And it was driving this guy crazy. I don't want to mention his name because he was a coach in the area for a long time. He's a very accomplished coach. He's a nice man. But he was just, it was driving him nuts. (laughs) It really really was. I mean, he was just, I talked to him after a game once. He was almost angry. And I was trying to tell him, I I get it, but this is the way, these are the principles we're going to play down the road. And and so I want the guys to get comfortable and familiar with them. And so so my point is, this is not about me, that it was difficult to, to walk away from last year and say, all right, well, they didn't win any games. But, boy, you really saw them establish a culture of how they want to play. I mean, they offensively, they were not very impressive. They didn't really guard very well. There was nothing there. I mean, even at the beginning of the year, maybe we were hanging our hat on it, but it was true. At least you saw them say, okay, well, he wants a team that's going to drive the ball. And they were driving and getting to the free throw line. And, and, you know, but then they never really built around that. Now they've backslid in that area too. And so it's just, it's hard to see them having built a sustainable culture going forward. But uh, again, Maybe we're being unfair in one regard. He has told us that they are – he told me all the way from the uh, training camp, for lack of a better word, we got shooters. And I was looking, and I was like, I, I don't see it. And I, I'm still not sold on it. But that's another game where they shot a good percentage behind the three-point line. So, you know, maybe there is some merit to that when he, when he brought his players in, that they are going to shoot the ball better than they have in the past. I mean – you can't just discount it because you don't agree with it. you got to try and look at it and say, okay, why is he saying that? But I'm playing that both ways. I'm also trying to figure out, you know, not, not trying to figure out like it's baffling, but I'm saying I'm trying to articulate why the fans would be so upset about that. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear year one. Had two years to get this thing going. We don't. There's not a lot of excitement on the recruiting front. You had a kid like Jalen Withers in your program, and then he you let him go one way or another. Um, there doesn't seem to be a, a culture going forward of 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 uh, something that was built on last year, where you say, all right, like I said, step one, they were competitive and then improving. Well, they, they they're still working on being competitive. They're still they're still in phase one, and the argument would be, should they still be in phase one? Kenny's point is, well, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but I look at this as my first year because this is the first time I've had my own players. All right. But other people are going to look at that and say, yeah, but you're you were in charge, you know, from the start of last season, too. You can't just write that off. Have we seen them be competitive and we're seeing them improve to get to phase two and phase three? Um, I don't know. We'll see, because Carolina is that good. They, they I mean, did you see what they did to Syracuse? Come on. I mean, and Syracuse came back and won the next game, didn't they? I think they did. So, I mean, you know, they're really good. But uh, um, it's still just 
frustrating to see them play so badly for such long stretches, especially when you see them play so well for stretches. I mean, it was not like two possessions. Hey, wow, they scored two baskets. They played 11 minutes where they were just kicking their ass. I mean, they really were. The place was silent. All of a sudden, it was like, what the heck is going on here? And then they're back down double digits again. They just can't trade. They do foolish things. They foul a three-point shooter. They turn the ball over on an inbounds pass. They just shoot themselves in the foot. And that's, uh, you know, nobody's going to be perfect. Nobody's asking them to be perfect. But they they, they, they just can't get a foothold to just get in there and trade punches. They're either... You know, they're they're Longfellow's little girl. They're either very good or they're they're horrid, and, and it's it's frustrating as a fan to watch. Um, Carolina's on a roll though now. It's seven straight wins. They're very very good. Um, it's you know it is it is what it is in college basketball in the sense that the separation is kind of small. I mean, all you got to do is look at last weekend when four of the top five teams lost, and they think they all lost unranked teams. It's it's you know it's not a tr- vast separation from but the, but that's what's frustrating is because in all candor it is a pretty big separation right now they're pretty far behind everybody else I mean um, even Georgia Tech for goodness sake I mean they go and beat Clemson at Clemson Clemson's kind of doing their thing again they get the conference play and they just can't get out of their own way but um, you know they've been they've been good and, and, and Georgia Tech's actually been fairly good. You know, that's uh, that's a bit of a surprise. So uh, I, I get the fans' frustration. They don't want to hear, well, it's really in my mind year one, but I also understand maybe Kenny's doing that as a way to keep his own sanity. I don't know. But I also think he thinks there's something to that. I, I don't know if he understood the urgency that there was behind last year showing some sign of hope. And they didn't do it the way they played. And then the people got excited because they supposedly had a really good recruiting class. And then, you know, it kind of fell apart. I mean, the two centerpieces for that in terms of the experts, the stars, the four stars, I mean, we're, we're, we're Flowers and Evans, and they're gone. And it, evidently they're gone forever, obviously. So um, it's a uh, it, it's it's difficult to, as a fan to hear him say, yeah, well, it's only year one. We're, I mean, whoa, whoa. They, they, like I said, competitive improve, win, maintain. And by this point, you're hoping that they're past the competitive point. Now you should be showing some really, I mean, the kind of improvement that you're seeing in places like tech. And, and what I, Kenny would say, I think, is <clears throat> he doesn't think any of those programs were as broken as this one was. Uh, it's hard to say. I, I, I don't go to their practices. I didn't go in their locker room. I haven't talked to their players. I don't know. But uh, right now they're, they're uh, one and five, six and eleven overall. You know, Pitt, who annihilated them, is also one and five. You know, Georgia Tech's only two and four, but they're nine and eight. They've shown signs of life. The Boston College beat Notre Dame the other day. I mean, that's that's the group that Louisville. Let's not kid ourselves. Logically, you'd say that those somebody in there. That's who they're going to have to beat if they're going to get wins. I mean, even Clemson at two and four is going to be tough, especially on the road. They're 12 and five overall, but Boston College League is two and four. Tech Virginia Tech's two and four, although they've shown some signs as well. Louisville competed with them, but they didn't beat them. Georgia Tech's two and four. Notre Dame's two and five. Pitt's one and five, 
and Louisville's one and five, but Louisville and Notre Dame are the only teams in the league with losing records. Notre Dame's seven and eleven, and Louisville is uh, six and eleven. So, uh, but I mean, we knew this was going to be a rough touch. I know I sound like Rick, but you know, I used to joke about Rick. No matter what happens, he'd say we knew. You know, Rick, did you see when that guy, you know, his head popped off and rolled? Yeah, we knew he was going to snap his head off like a rock'em sock'em robot. <laughs> But so, but this is true. I mean, you look at the schedule. You got, you had, you got uh, NC State is a pretty good team, and then on the road to Carolina, and then Wake, and then Duke comes in. That'll get you healthy, and then Virginia, who's had their number. I mean, it's a rough stretch of of games for the rest of the month. Then they, after Virginia comes in, they go on the road to play Clemson. Um, so, but then they got Florida State comes in. I don't know what to make of them. Leonard Hamilton, God bless him. People thought they were going to be awful. They're eleven and six. Um, and then they go to Syracuse, never an easy task. Georgia Tech comes in. They go to Boston College. They go to Pitt. They host Notre Dame. They wrap it up with Duke. But, I mean, it's the ACC for all the disparaging things you want to say. It's still a pretty damn good league. And so there's never going to be an easy stretch. But, I mean, you compare that stretch with the January stretch. There's no comparison. So, uh, you know, that's the only hope is that they get better and you say, OK, well, they get better. And then they're not playing the Carolinas of the world or the Dukes. And but I, I just the beginning of the game last you have one assist in the first half. You could be playing the the the, the uh, uh, you know, my Milwaukee Bucks. You got to have more than one assist, don't you? So that's uh, and especially when you see in the second half, they got nine, they got nine assists. How can they go from that's what I mean? You know, you could say, all right, one half you have five assists, and then the next half you have ten. But they get, they're at both ends of the spectrum always, it seems like. And and Kenny, I think, got a little frustrated. You know, he's very polite as always, and he's just a positive. I'm, I'm, I said he's tireless. I, I said after the game lesson that he's just a tireless, uh, a positive presence. He's after the game. People want to come and say hello to him because, um, you know, he's made a lot of friends throughout the years. And after a loss, man, you, it's, you can just – Hey, don't walk away. He never does that. He always has time for them. He always talks nicely with them. It's it's he's a great ambassador for the for the program and for the school. There's no question. It's just they could use to win some games, and they and they just play so they have stretches where they're just so awful, um, and that that was bad at the beginning. I mean, one one assist under well under forty, but they're barely at thirty percent for a stretch of it. Um, just those are things that you just look at and say, are they not aware themselves what's going on? That the reason they're shooting 30 percent is because nobody's passing a damn thing. I mean, just um, this was not a Duke situation where, you know, they they uh, I mean, a uh, an NC State situation where every time you pass it, you went further from the basket. You had to look to drive the ball whenever you could. But this was. They just stopped. There was some serious ball stopping going on last night. And he talked again after the game with me. I don't know if you played those cuts, but people may want to get, may be tired of hearing it. But he's talking about, I said to him, you know, in the NBA, you have these kinds of trips a lot where you go on the road and you don't go back home. And what do you hope to get out of it? And I was talking specifically about, well, how will they get on the practice floor and talk about some of the things they got to do better. And he was talking about how they still have to get closer as people. And I understand they are new players. They're all brought in from all four corners of the globe here, and they've got to get to where they're looking out for each other in a way that he doesn't see them doing right now. One of the reasons Carolina says openly they think they're better defensively is they committed to each other. And he kind of hinted at last night he doesn't see that yet, that a guy – 
you know, what what I think it was Davis said it that he said when we first started the year. Our thought was, well, that's my man. He ain't scoring, and that's all they cared about. And so they were locked in on their guy, and somebody was getting beat, and they were just like, all right, t- tough crap for you, buddy, but that's not my problem. And you can't be a good d- defensive team that way. Can't be a good offensive team that way. You gotta be. I mean. You know, I watched Jalen, who not only had the double-double, but he freed up Davis on a play last night where he set a textbook screen. Any, that's not in the, that's not in the box score at all. You get nothing for that other than the satisfaction of knowing you helped your teammate. I, Kenny doesn't think these guys are doing that. I, do they not like each other? I, I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. I don't see that. They seem fine when, you know, I'm back in the hotel and, and when they beat Miami after the Miami win – I mean, I listened to the chatter on the plane. They seemed, but that was obviously the excitement of winning. But I don't, I don't see them not liking each other. But he seems to think they don't, they haven't crossed that line like Carolina has, where if you get scored on, I take it personally. That's when you're good defensively, and that's part of. But again, people will say that's your second year, man. You haven't built that culture yet. That's that's a legitimate uh, observation. It's basketball is a simple game that's difficult to play well. That's what it comes down to. 95%, this is a basketball passionate city. 95% of the texts that come in, I can't say, well, that's just ridiculous. There's substance to them. There is. I get it. But the the question is, how? How do you address what you're talking about? And, you know, what is the course of action that addresses X and Y and Z? I'm not debating you that X, Y, and Z aren't legitimate sources of discussion topics of discussion but how do you how do you address them and that's um that's two years into it i i don't think people are are confident that the answers are there but what kenny is telling you is in his heart he thinks he needs more time to do it and um i i don't know i don't know how that'll play out because the one thing i will say is well i'll say two things the first thing is obvious Everybody who's met him, if there was a nicest guy on the planet contest, he would be at least be in the finals. There's no question. I have tremendous respect for him as a person and as a man, and it's wonderful to see, and that's not insignificant. But having said that, um, you know, the other thing is it's a business. I would argue that college sports is more of a business than pro sports right now. Because pro sports, it's simple. You strip it down to its basic component. you got a salary cap, work within the salary cap, try and win games, put fans in the stands, go forward. F- college has NIL and recruiting and different media responsibilities and communities and blah, 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 blah. Um, and um, people are not as jazzed up about r- really very much of those things right now. That's uh, That's a problem. And so, and what's that mean is that it's a business, as I said, and so... Is it, is it? I don't know if it is, but certainly I'm sure it's impacting their bottom line. I mean, in terms of basketball was printing money for years and years and years. Now it's got to be, that's got to be very significant. But it's not just that. It's, are they getting pressure? I mean, if I opened a business and was in contact with the school and, you know, I, I opened a business downtown, that's costing them a pretty penny. And you're building in your projections. All right, well, I'm going to have, you know, 18 to 20,000 people here for, 20 dates and and the women are going to do this and and now all of a sudden you're staring at 4,000 people being there that's (laughs) I got to think you're saying to the school hey what are you doing here what do you guys plan to do because you're killing me over here and not to mention I don't know if it's impacting NIL I mean Jeff's got it going so much maybe people are just driving with wheelbarrows full of money but I got to think that's impacting as well not to mention I, I mean 
the, the visibility of the school. You know, when you are winning, as I've said, it doesn't impact some things that people think it does, like donations. No, it really doesn't. But it does impact admissions in, and applications and the quality of the students that apply because common sense will tell you. If I have a pool of, I'm making numbers up, 10,000 students to draw from, I'm going to get a better student body, quote unquote, better than you are if you only have 1,000 to draw from. And when you're on you know, primetime games and they're, and they're high-profile games and your team looks great and these applications are flying in, uh, that's what I was reading that article. I mentioned it on the show last week. Alabama, they talk about for all the people, how do you pay Nick Saban what you pay him? Hey, he said, you should have seen the, the talent base we got to draw from as students during this run of his tenure because people saw oh, Alabama. Yeah, I want to I want to go there. And 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 there were so many students who applied out of state. And I believe the tuition is more than double for out of state students. So they said, it's yes, it's a business decision. And it made sense for us. He was he was maybe our most valuable employee in that time from a bottom line sense. And it's hard to look at what's going on here and say they're succeeding bottom line wise. Now, I don't know. They don't call me into their budget meetings at UofL, but Common sense would tell you it's got to be taking a pounding, so that's why I think it's 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 tough. For, you know, per, perception is what it is, and he could say it's your first year, but if people are not on board with that, and the resources are drying up, it makes it tough for the people in positions of authority to say, yeah, we'll just go on. I mean, that's that's the the catch right now, and uh, we'll see. I mean, Carolina is great, as I said. I don't want to read too much into it. This is a brutal stretch of schedule. Maybe they'll catch fire, and in February you say, my God, how did we ever doubt that they were going to win a bunch of games? But right now um, there's not a lot of people that are, are excited about uh, very many parts of the program, and that's uh, uh, obviously very concerning. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We are uh, – I don't know. Mark Story going to join us from the Lexington Herald Leader. We'll talk with him, and uh, we'll continue with you. Nick will work some of your textings. I know there's obviously a bunch of them, I'm sure, so we'll do that as well. So thanks for being with us. Coming to you from Raleigh, North Carolina, here on this Thursday on ESPN 680-1057. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. More V-Show with Bob Valvano is now right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. It's, you know, it's always, in the immortal words of the late, great Gilda Radner, it's Rosanna, Rosanna Dana. It's always something. It's always something. And so um, Kentucky, who for the last few years has been Perceived to be not a great shooting bunch. Oh, they're shooting it now. My, oh, yeah, they got shooter. You want a shooter? I got a shooter right here for you. They're shooting it. But they, their great teams have always been stifling defensively. And now the people are saying, I don't know, maybe they're not, they're not so good defensively. They, uh, they are struggling on defense. And they, uh, Bradshaw himself said, we've kind of been slacking on defense. So let's see what uh, Mark Story from the Lexington Herald Leader has to Herald Leader has to say about that. So, what do you make of where they are and the the, the defensive lack of defense, for lack of a better word? Is there is that of great concern? What do you make of where they are in that front? I think it is a concern. Um, I think they have so much firepower offensively. You know, I think we've discussed before. They don't have to be a great defensive team. They do need to be a team that, when you need a stop, they can get it. 
um, I think probably an encouraging thing along that line is Uganda and Yenso last two games I think has sort of been what you need him to be. He had six rebounds last night, blocked three shots. He blocked four shots at Texas A&M. You know, they, you know, he's he's the rim protector that they need, and he's you know showing some signs of you know filling that role. So that's a positive. You know, they have a hard time staying in front of straight line dribblers, and that's you know that that that's a problem. Um, but you know that is something I think they can improve somewhat with just determination so we'll see if they they get there how important to their overall big picture success in your mind because i saw him at the champions classic and he was dazzling and he's been good in a lot of games but he's also kind of disappeared in some how big a factor in the big picture is dillingham for this team down the road well he's really good i go back and forth between whether i think he or reed shepherd is the more valuable component you know, there is there's some hit or miss with him. I mean, I think you know Calipari has said, you know, I, I'm going to give him some bad plays because I know if or he feels like if he sticks with him, you know, there'll, there'll be a lot more good. You know, he almost single-handedly bailed him out at the end of regulation against Texas A&M, hit three straight three-pointers, and the fourth one that would have won the game was way down in the rim and spun out. But then he, you know, played a you know, fairly big role in sort of shooting them out of it in the overtime. So, you know, that's just, you know, he's just the kind of player, there's a lot of good, and you're going to have to take some of the bad to get that good. Is it also, uh, uh, let me give you a disclaimer up front, I, I think we make too much of depth of teams. I really do. I think that you can only play five at once, and if guys are in shape and you have, you know, some guys off the bench that can give you some productivity and uh, play enough minutes where they can contribute you're fine. But Cal, historically, has never really wanted a particularly deep bench. I mean, he's he's been very happy really cutting the, the, the roster down, the substitution pattern down as the season's gone on. Well, he's got eight now. That's what he played last night, and looks like that's the way they, you know, are comfortable. But the, the, the one disclaimer is you're always worried about an injury derailing them. Is that a concern for this team that they will just have a hard time make, getting to the finish line with eight guys intact? Well, they've had injury issues, and they really are. And if they were healthy, they would be a nine-player rotation because Adutiero is an important player, and I think he would help with some of the things that have been a problem. I think he's hard-nosed defensively. He's physical. He'll rebound. Some of the issues they've had, I think he would help fix. So when he gets back, assuming he gets back and is healthy, you know, you, you, he's going to have nine players. And you're right; he's usually. You know, the, the 2012 national championship team played six players. I mean, he, he often shortens his rotation quite a bit. Uh, I think this is a team that that's not the best thing to do. I think you've got nine good players, and you ought to try to, you know, figure out how to use them to your advantage. Is What's the arrow's status? He's day-to-day. Um, I think what they've said is general soreness. And if that's a problem for him now, wait till he's in his 50s. But um, <laughs> but I think it's a back issue. I think he's, from what I've heard, and I actually think Calipari said on one of his radio, pregame radio shows, that it's back pain. It's, uh, it's interesting. I wanted to ask you about this, too, because it's well after the fact now. Well after the fact. I know that. But the fact is, I saw Carolina last night firsthand. 
Uh, I'd seen them early in the year too, but I saw them again now. And um, they're—I mean, there are a handful of teams that I think are elite, and I think they are one of them. Um, when Kentucky beat them in the CBS Sports Classic, obviously I wasn't at that game, so I didn't see that one firsthand. But I, I just—I think that they were not defending then like they are now. By their own admission, the Kentucky game was a wake-up call for them. And they sometimes you hear teams say that, and then you look and you say, that really any different. It's just window dressing. But I don't think that's true. They're, they're defending off the ball differently. They don't switch as much. Uh, they change their philosophy of ball screens in the middle of the floor, so they haven't got hurt as much with mismatches on a, a roll and a big on a small. But um, I think they're definitely elite there. What did you take away from that game uh, for both teams, I mean, did you walk out of there and say, yeah, both these teams are elite, or did you have concerns more about one than the other? But I mean, it's a good game. It was 87-83, but I'm just curious because, I mean, it's, uh, Carolina is, I don't think, are really making an outlandish statement here, Mark. They're the best team in the ACC, and right now it's not close. Duke may get there in time. They're younger, and they need a little more time to cook. But uh, there's nobody else in their category there. They have size. They shoot it. They play fast. They don't turn the ball over even with the speed they play. And their defense is better now. So what what did you did you walk away from that game and say, these are two of the best teams in the You know, that was a tremendous atmosphere. That game was played in Atlanta, and, it, and there was nobody at the UCLA-Ohio State game. And then it filled up for Kentucky-Carolina. There's probably about 60, 40 Kentucky fans or 55, 45, and both fan bases were really into it. The first half I did not think was played at a high level. It was super intense, but I didn't think either team played well. The second half was good basketball in a great environment. And, you know, I walked away from that thinking that just to my eye, Kentucky looked like the more talented team, the team with the higher upside. You know, Carolina obviously is much, much older than Kentucky, and I just felt like Kentucky, you know, had – you know, greater room to get better. Um, Carolina played hard, and I was impressed. And R.J. Davis was just unbelievable in that game. And the transfer from Notre Dame was making shots in that game and played probably his best game. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Cormac Ryan. Um, Cormac Ryan. Yeah, yeah, him. And um, the, the, the thing, Carolina struggled inside, which surprised me. Baycott did not have a good game. Um, I think if you're a Carolina fan and you are hypothesizing on a rematch with Kentucky, you probably would figure he would have to play better than he played in that game because he did not play well against UK. And they were they were in the throes of their bad defensive run there. They had played UConn and gave it up over 52% shooting to UConn. And they actually held U- Kentucky to reasonable shooting percentage, but they gave up 35% from a three-point line, and they got got beat there. And then um, they, that's when it really started to turn around for them, though. They, after that, they, they took an Oklahoma team that was a pretty high-scoring bunch and held them to 40% shooting and 69 points. And um, uh, and it's really carried over since then. And they, even though Louisville got close to their scoring average last night, a lot of it was late when kind of uh, meaningless meaningless points. They uh, held them to 70. The reason I bring that up as it pertains to Kentucky is, do you think there's an aha experience coming for them like it did for – they point to the Kentucky game as their aha experience defensively. Does 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 Kentucky have that in their agenda going forward? That's an interesting question. They gave up 97 points to a, really, to a Texas A&M team that has really struggled offensively. 
you're going to have an aha defensive moment, it, that probably needed to be it. Yeah. But they did okay defensively last night, didn't they? Did. They, they were did. better, they, especially in the first half. They played well defensively. Uh, they had a bad they, – they came out in the second half flat. Mississippi State – they were up 18 at halftime. Mississippi State put a 14 to two run on them to start the uh, second half, and then he put Shepard and Dillingham in, and things sort of stabilized and went back the other way. And Trey Mitchell scored like eight points, like of, of Kentucky's first 14 points in the second half. Trey Mitchell scored eight, and he and Shepard and Dillingham sort of got things headed back in the right direction. Who's been their most valuable player to this point? Well, that's a great question. I I lean to Trey Mitchell, and I say that with all respect for how well Reed Shepard's played and how well Rob Dillingham's played and how well Antonio Reeves has played. I mean, he's been over 22 points, I think, in like four, five of the last six games. You know, He shot like 41% last year on twos, and he's way up this year. I think he's over 60 just on two-point field goals. He's having a really good year. But I think Trey Mitchell is probably the most valuable player for a couple of reasons. On a team that struggled to rebound, he's been good. You know, he, last night he had a streak of five straight double-digit rebounding games snapped. He also, they run offense through him, and that to me is the most amazing thing because he came to Kentucky, he was way underwater in terms of assists to turnovers. He, he, turned it, he had turned it over a lot more than he'd assisted. But that's not, that's not who he is this year. He, he's, you know, the guy that, you know, they initiate a ton of offense through him. And, you know, last night when they, you know, they were under sort of game pressure after State made that run, he was the guy that got, you know, got on the buckets that sort of got things back under control. Mark Story is with us from the Lexington Herald-Leader. Kentucky starts a stretch now where they play four games against unranked teams. Although Georgia, who I think has got a very good coach there, I think he does a hell of a job. Uh, Mike and they're they're 13 and four. They get them at home. Then they go to South Carolina, who's 14 and three, on the road to Arkansas, and then home again in a rematch with Florida. Tough game that they had when they beat the Gators down in uh, Gainesville. Before they get back to uh, playing a, a showdown game, they play currently number six Tennessee at home. How important are these next four games in the sense that um, you know when you're really good? My brother used to say this, and I think there's some truth to it. It's not like you, you want to be ordinary, but you know you're really good when he used to call it, it's like going to work at the factory. You can just get your time card, punch the clock, and you come out of there with a win. And it's like it doesn't always have to be pretty. It doesn't mean it's going to be ugly, but there's a certain, I don't know, efficiency, I guess, is the lack of a better word. And I don't know that they've been that yet, but I don't know. Maybe that's just the, the way they're playing. I mean, they're playing take a lot of points, a lot of shots, a lot of threes. Maybe it won't look that efficient, but I think these are four games where that is kind of what they've got to establish themselves, that they can just punch the clock and grab the lunch bucket and get it done. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I agree. I am of, you know, I think it's important that Kentucky win something this year. And if they're going to, you know, make a run at the SEC championship, you know, Auburn is undefeated, Alabama's undefeated. You can't give up games, you know, against – you know, teams that you probably ought to beat. Uh, you know, Georgia is interesting. I, I agree with you. I think Mike White is a good coach. I think his sin at Florida was he was a really good coach following a great coach. And I think he's d- done a really good job at Georgia in a short amount of time. And they're 3-0 and on the road. They haven't lost a true road game, so they're probably mm. happy to be coming to Rupp Arena. South Carolina has been a difficult 
relatively speaking, it's been a place where the Calipari teams have taken some losses. And South Carolina beat Kentucky last year in Rupp, so that's a game I don't think you can take for granted. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think you know, this is kind of a test for them. These are you know, good teams, conference teams, that are several of whom are having good seasons. It, it's a test to see you know, do they take care of business and put themselves you know, in position for a big showdown with Tennessee. My friend, it's good to catch up with you again. You take care of yourself. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Right. Mark Story with us. When I'm on the road, I'm always looking for the button to, to push to hang up on a guy. <laughs> but I, I can't do that here. Cause, cause, uh, there's no buttons to push. Um, so there you go. Um, I was looking. We were talking about something that made me remember. We didn't really get into this. That um, uh, was nice that he was playing right up the road if you wanted to go see him. But now he's been traded. And that is, of course, Jordan Wara. Ooh, that was a pretty uh, – Toronto's been really busy, haven't they? They got Barrett yeah. and Quickly from the Knicks, and uh, and they're both playing a lot of minutes and playing pretty damn well there. Tuesday, Barrett had 26, Quickly had 17. And now I'm looking for, for Jordan. He was not listed in the box score. Has he not gotten there yet to Toronto? I don't know what the deal is there. Where is – where is uh, Jordan? I think he just did. He just got Where there. is Jordan? Where is Jordan here? Didn't you play that little game when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Where's, where's Thumpkin? Where is Pointer? Where is Tallman? Where is Ringman? And where is Pinky? Mm-hmm. That was the five guys. Yeah. Do you have different names for any of them? No? No. A lot of people would talk, say, Index Finger instead index, of Pointer. But, yeah, we always, I always called it a Pointer. Yeah, and no, that's the point. For little kids, the index, that's a little. Come on. What are you doing? They're little kids. I mean, come on. What are you talking about? Can't be talking about Pointer. So uh, I hope Jordan does well there. They, they're, Toronto is trying. They're, they're struggling mightily. They're 16 and 25, but uh, they're trying to go forward. You know who's very quietly having a monster year? Who's that? Terry, Ro- Terry Rozier. Jesus God, have you seen what he's doing? I have not. I mean, he has been playing forever, and it's, we, they leave, man, and we just ignore them. It's not really good. Uh, he plays for Charlotte. Want to guess what he's averaging? Take a stab at it. Take a stab at it. Uh, 15 points. 24 points a game. Wow. Right? Strong. 24 points and just under seven assists. And not to mention four, almost four rebounds. Dude's playing his little hindquarters off. And we just, um, you know, we just we're not we don't we don't pay much attention to what goes on with these guys once they leave. And it's a shame, they're, you know. It's half the fun of it. I mean, hell, the, between Kentucky and, and Louisville, they got players scattered all across North America for God's sake. So that's uh, but that's quite a run he's putting together there. It really is. So um, how are they doing? They're not having a great year though. I don't think, right? Let's go take a fast look here. All these buttons. That push. I'm not sure of. I'll tell you right now. He's playing for Charlotte, right? They are, yeah, they're bad. They're 8-30. and 30. They're uh, they're pretty, pretty bad. They're eight, fully eight games out of the play-in game between Atlanta, that which would be between Atlanta and Indi- Indiana. That's why Jordan, though, traded down as well. He went from Indiana, who's currently seventh in the East, to Toronto, who's 12th. But Toronto's only a game and a half out of a playoff spot. I think they're determined to try and play their way in. 
So uh, see where that goes. It's an interesting year in the NBA, man. Golden State wouldn't even be in the play-in game right now. The Lakers are barely hanging on. They're 21 and 21. They would be in the last play-in spot in the West. And Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns' team, they're rolling 29 and 11. They have the second best winning percentage in basketball, and the Celtics are 32 and 9, best winning percentage in the NBA at 780. They have a full four-game lead over Milwaukee in the uh, in the East. Um, Donovan Mitchell's team is doing fine. Cleveland is in the top four. 24 and 15. He's having a good year. Uh, they are, as I said, in the top four in the East. So um, lots of guys. And, of course, those guys, uh, Jamal Murray and, and, uh, and I was call them the Western gang because most of them are the Western Conference, right? right um, uh, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and um, um, who am I forgetting? The, the kid from the Kings for Sacramento. Um, uh, Darren Fox? No, wait. Yes, De'Aaron Fox. Yes, he's he's been uh, he's had some mighty big games as well. Uh, the other day, at 21 points, five rebounds, four assists in a one side. Sacramento's been good. They, they're 23 and 15. They got beat by Philly though. Um, Philly has been ever since they got rid of uh, Simmons and uh, Harden. They've been very good. <laughs> 26 and 13. And Joel Embiid continues to roll along. So we'll, do, we'll see if we can. We'll do a spontaneous parlay today. Last game, we tried a nine-game parlay. That was really ambitious. Got seven of them. And, and as the games ended, I got the first seven right. So I was a little excited. And then uh, uh, Clemson lost in double overtime. That one was tough. And then South Carolina lost legit. I mean, not that the other one wasn't legit, but, I mean, it was overtime. That'll break your heart. And then South Carolina got beat. I shouldn't have. That one I didn't feel good about. Georgia, they're rolling. I, as uh, Mark told you, Georgia on the road, pretty good at basketball. So uh, we'll do a spontaneous parlay. Maybe Nick will give us a Santa Claus bet because he's been rolling with those. So we'll uh, we'll do that as well. As get some of your texts in, which is what I think we'll do straight ahead here because uh, I can't get them. Nick, uh, are they worth reading? Do we have intelligent oh, yeah. texts from the smartest listeners in all of sports radio? Yeah, for the most part. Beautiful. All right, so we'll do that. So we'll take a break and we'll pay some bills. And then we'll come back and do radio on ESPN 680 1057.: Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. 